Welcome everybody, we are now live for the virtual open house by Lego Creatives. We are going to have a podcast interview. Let's get started with uh, the introduction of my first guest. My first guest is based in Argentina. He has created a platform that is called El Reclamador. El Reclamador is an online platform that has been designed in order to help people understand the claims and make claims online. And I'm going to bring right now my really good colleague and friend who is now based in Spain. Uh, her name is Carol Valencia Canela. We have known each other for a couple of months. Uh, we got the opportunity to uh, do a, a workshop together. Uh, at least I invited you to join mine. Uh, with our friend Angel in Mexico. And uh, Carol is doing a lot of legal design. She's based in Madrid. Thank you for joining in Madrid. It's almost time for, uh, for, for Dina. an advertiser over there. I'm Carol Valencia. And if you want to know more about me, you can go to LinkedIn. <laughs> I think that in my LinkedIn account and in my Instagram, there is a lot of info of me because I like... I mean, this kind of person that it's so coherent between personal uh, aspect and the professional aspect. So I try to mix like both, right? And of course, I'm originally from Peru and I studied law. I was in law school and actually I didn't want to go to law school, but I consider that law school was, I don't know, at least in my university, that is a university San Pablo in Arequipa and a small city in the south of Peru. Uh, they have great content in the curriculum, right? Because we have philosophy and anthropology and a lot of things that ends in logi. <laughs> so I love that. <laughs> yeah. And I, actually, I decided to study law because of that, because of those courses. Right. So uh, then when I finished law school, I mean, I really I really enjoyed studying law. But then I started to visualize the context. And I think that the law field was so boring. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so boring seems to be sad and not really uh, helping people, right? So you know that a couple of days ago, I listened to Professor Kathleen Moon, who I admire uh, a lot, and she's such an inspiration for me and for us probably. And yeah, I believe that her perspective about talking uh, human-centered uh, services and human center services in legal sector, it's right. But actually, uh, she also mentions that she, 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 she prefers to call these uh, innovations in the legal sector uh, human center uh, services. But I think that it's also uh, available and it's also uh, good to call about, to talk about legal design, right? Because like Mauro mentioned before, I think that everything is designed. Thank you for also sharing uh, about what you are passionate about. I think this is a recurring theme today for this virtual open house. I think yeah. everyone who's here, who's watching live and who's going to watch the replay, I think all and every one of you are very passionate for what you do. And so in uh, today's uh, episode for the podcast, we're going to be recording it uh, right here live. Also, I want to say thank you to everyone who's listening to this podcast. 
And if you don't know me yet, I'm Tessa Manuelo. I'm the founder and the CEO of Lego Creatives. I'm considered one of the world's, world's pioneer in Lego design. And in this podcast, I am sharing with you my real life insights to empower you to do legal design, to do more legal design, to do great legal design. And today's podcast is very special. This podcast is part of the virtual open house by Legal Creatives, where we showcase uh, legal design productions uh, from our members in this great virtual legal design art gallery. But also it's a place where we uh, get to learn from colleagues around the world, including Alejandro, who has been sharing his amazing story about innovation through legal design. And we have learned as well with Moro Martins in Brazil that legal design does not always require either technology nor simplification. It's really about adapting the product, the tool to the needs of the user. So I've had the time of my life today and I'm really excited for this podcast. So let's get started with some questions because in this podcast, I am usually the one talking and I'm usually the one challenging you to take action. But you may want to know some things about me. So it's your time to ask your questions or maybe to tell your story. I, I can start. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I have a question. What do you think about the hashtag legal <laughs> apply to design, right? Because, I mean, like, like I mentioned before, for some people, it's just design. For some others, uh, it's just uh, human-centered design. And I mean, at the end of the day, uh, what, what is your opinion about like the use of the hashtag uh, legal design, or we just call like design applied to legal, or, mm -hmm. or what is so, your opinion about this movement? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Carol. I've started to talk about it in the previous episode, so. Uh, and also in our newly released Legal Design Inside video that we are releasing weekly at Legal Design at Legal Critics, one insight per week. But truly, I believe that Legal Design, if we really want to do Legal Design, we should really combine design thinking with law. And I believe that most of the design, Legal Design work we do, I mean, we, I'm talking the legal design community around the world, I think most of it is just about design thinking for law. That means we use this innovation methodology and we apply it for the law. And I include myself in that. I've done a lot of design thinking for law. And I think design thinking for law is great. I think it's a great way to innovate. However, as I was talking today with Sabrina Gorlich from the Design Sprint Studio, who interviewed me also very recently on her podcast, beyond design sprint. I think to do design thinking for law, we need to uh, have a lot of adaptation. And I think to talk about adaptation is an understatement. I think we need to really think critically about what is legal design. And if we don't think critically about what is design, legal design, then we, we do just design thinking for law, which again is great. But I think we can walk the talk of legal design and we can merge design thinking with law. And this is what we are starting to create at Legal Creatives. We are actually starting, and I could even show you, although on the podcast you won't see it, but you could always refer to the Legal Creatives website if you would like to take a look. And we are, have started to 
to combine the two to create a systematic methodology. For instance, litigation by design, we started to consolidate all of our research and all of our insights in uh, applying legal design or design thinking in litigation. And so we started to combine everything together to create a systematic approach to use legal design in the litigation context. And I think Doha Ha was a great example of an experimentation. I was very successful. Uh, but now how can we systematize this experimentation into something that can be reused without the need of reinventing the wheel. And I think this is going to help all of us do more legal design and again, do, do great legal design. But what is your opinion on, uh, and maybe Alejandro, I don't know if, I, I have a question for Alejandro actually, because he's with us, he's, he's got a lot of experience as an entrepreneur, as a startup founder, he's the CEO of this very successful company. And I think Alejandro, you could be sharing a little bit about the number of cases your platform is is just incredible. And so what is your what is your opinion about what is legal design to you? I would be really curious to know actually, Alejandro. Bien, sí, es verdad, no, no me lo preguntaste nunca. Eh, pero para mí pasa por un proceso subjetivo, ¿no? La decisión de trascender en un ámbito determinado. Primero, para hacer, si se escucha, lo que no es. Lo que no es, es solo la aplicación de la innovación y la tecnología a un servicio jurídico. He just said that he wants to start saying what is not legal design. So, uh, for him, what is not legal design is just the application of uh, technology and innovation into the legal sector or legal services, right? So, mm -hmm. that is no, the first no. Bien, Eso es lo que no es. Sucede un proceso subjetivo interno de tener ciertas revelaciones bien, y la vocación de querer cambiar, cambiar una situación. Lo que entendemos que la herramienta para ese cambio es el derecho, pensamos diferente, no solamente pensamos en, en, en ese cambio como algo inerte, sino como algo dinámico, como es propio de la, de, de la ley, de la sociedad. Yeah, so he also says that we need to rethink the legal practice and also this is from a subjective uh, perspective, right? Because, I mean, he has uh, a, a knowledge about legal services. I, uh, I have another, but at the end, I mean, we, we just need to think and how we can uh, uh, redesign the, the legal practice. So that's the focus, yeah. En, 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 en síntesis, ser un creativo legal es vivir una experiencia dinámica donde podamos expresar a través de diferentes cuestiones como son el diseño, el arte y sobre todo con la concepción humana, soluciones para 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 la sociedad, para la persona, para nuestro cliente. So he Alejandro summarizing Alejandro says that we need to find to figure out how to be more creative, 
have to be more creative uh, and, and, and applied that creativity to low in order to improve our services to to people, right? Because that's mm -hmm. the most important thing about justice and the legal system. Yeah, so thank you, Alejandro. Gracias. Está, está bien. Yes, I really agree with this. Uh, first, we have to ask ourselves what is not legal design? And I think Alejandro did a really great explanation for that. Uh, it's not just technology for law. It's not just graphic in co contract. Uh, it's really it's more refined. It's really about understanding who's the user. Yeah. And starting with the user, creating a new journey for the user to make progress in his or her legal matter. And so it could be a journey just like what... Um, Ah, it was a great project that was presented today by Marina. She has presented this project for elderly people. And, sure. um, and so there is a journey that they have created to help elderly people in Brazil um, claim the exemption for income tax. There is a specific provision in Brazil for that. And most yeah. elderly people don't even know about it. And so they have created an app and they have created a new experience. Uh, a bit like what Alejandro said, we need to first help people understand they have some rights. And then once they understand they can do something about it, then to take them on a journey with us. And I think this is what truly legal design is about. At least for me, legal design is about creating a new user experience of the law. And this experience yeah. can integrate technology, but sometimes does not necessarily need technology. And so it depends on a couple of factors. It depends on also the kind of, uh, you know, the kind of product you would like to create. Uh, so it's not just about thinking about the user. It's also thinking about you. What do you want to achieve in your career? Would you like to run a tech company or would you like to uh, do more graphic design for law or would you like to continue working as a lawyer but infusing legal design in your practice so i think this is also very important that you ask yourself what is it that i would like to achieve yeah I see myself working i think this is also very important because i was in the situation myself a couple of years ago with legal creatives we started to prototype a technological platforms and we actually started to develop the minimum viable product. We started to showcase it in Lisbon, in the Web Summit. And then I had to think myself, is this what I want to do? And then I say, no, I don't want to create my own technological platform. I would rather share with people my knowledge. So together we can create tech platforms. We can have more visual contracts we can have other type of solutions. So it's really for us to decide what we would like to do. Uh, yeah. There are other questions in the chat that are really interesting. Julie yeah. Moncompain is asking about the measurement of legal design impact. The number of cases platform received, the number of people who visit the website, what is the return on investment? This is a great question, Julie. And, um, well, what do you think, Carol, about the measuring the legal uh, design impact? Do you have any tips that you're using you would like to share with us? Yeah, I mean, I think that legal design is just, uh, it's not like a standard suit, right? I mean, it's very, uh, it's very unique 
for each client is very unique for each person, right? So, for example, that's why I think that it's very difficult to measure uh, legal design. So I won't call it like measure. What I do is to uh, use some OKRs instead of KPIs. I mean, in the in the world of legal project management or project management itself, you used to use these kind of measures um, and I don't know, uh, uh, KPIs to in order to be how prof how profitable you are or how uh, amount of money do you invest or how uh, how much time do you uh, use in one project or in one step of the project, right? So yeah, I think that instead of using th those, we have to focus in the purpose and in the objectives that sometimes could be more specific in some others could be not, but yeah. I mean that well, this is interesting using all the set of metrics and yeah. can you just uh, dig a bit deeper into those metrics that uh, you would be using in project management so we can have a bit more info about what would be those metrics yeah for example i don't know if you have heard before about the management 3.0 mindset have you heard about that before? no i haven't yeah. heard about this yeah, I mean, that, I think that I was telling you about this, like in the first conversation that we had a couple of, of months ago. Yeah, because uh, this mindset is a very interesting mindset that actually applies another kind of creativity and tools to measure uh, how uh, happy is your team because they focus in happy teams works better, right? So mm -hmm. you have like a happy team that is actually motivated to do any project. I don't know, legal design, uh, legal tech, whatever, uh, whichever project that they are doing, if they are happy and you can measure that happiness of mm -hmm. each member of the team, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to be able to, to get better outcomes, right? So mm -hmm. I think that instead of measure uh, the product or the project itself, probably you can measure uh, how uh, involved or how passionate is the people of your uh, and your team members about that project. Uh, for me, that would yeah, be so, like a... Mm -hmm. So I understand, Carol, it's about using metrics from uh, other methodologies. Yeah. And so if you can just explain what is this abbreviation you used? Because also Julie has been asking and I was curious to know as well. Ah, the abbreviation. Okay, yeah. I, I, I am I am watching the the questions. Yeah. OKR. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Yeah. I mean it's a it's a like an abbreviation an English abbreviation of objectives and key results right okay mm, objectives and key resource yeah exactly exactly so in spanish or in english it's is is whether it's well known uh like that and you can translate it or you can explain it like the objectives and the key results that people uh put in each project or in each part of the project that they are working on to uh reach growth and to uh, improve the outcomes 
from the perspective of well-being, from the perspective of how this project is going to impact in the life of others, how this project is going to be able to facilitate justice, for example, if it's a legal design uh, project, something like that. Yeah, So that's very important because it's not just a, a, a measure of quantity of time or investment. No, it's more about like a purpose uh, measure, right? So how much involved you are in a, in any kind of project uh, because of how this project motivates you, right? Mm -hmm. How much is right? I love this. Yeah. It's Remember, a really OKR. Um, yeah, OK, OKR. It's a really interesting set of metrics. Yeah. Uh, I'm using a different set of metrics. And I'm going to talk about it. But before, I really like this approach because I think it, in order to measure the impact of legal design, we need to borrow, borrow other disciplines in order to create uh, new standards. And I think this is something that is going to be very important for all of us to have standards in legal design. At Legal Creatives, uh, we are applying some standards as to you know how to train uh, people in legal design, how to certify them to become legal design experts. Yeah. And also we're starting to set standards for applying legal design in different topics. And that's what I want to share with you in just a moment. But before, I really like this. And I think, of course, happiness is really important to do legal design. You have to, yeah. you have to, to be, be very about it. And passion, yeah. Yeah, like because... Legal design, well, first, it's a very creative discipline. So if you have a yeah. if you feel you are a creative lawyer, it's probably something you're going to be enjoying a lot. Um, yeah. I remember talking with Doha Rao about this. And when she started to design herself, because she's starting to learn now to design herself, and she told me she just couldn't stop designing. It just... You know, she, she just couldn't stop because she's really enjoying it because she, she's probably, you know, probably like me and like you, Carol, she's, she has this creative vibe. And so she's really enjoying the process of creating those visuals and those designs. If you're not a, the creative type, you shouldn't worry. Legal design is also something you can do. Actually, legal yeah. design is, 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 there are different steps in the methodology. And creativity is very relevant for one of the steps. But you also need to be empathic in order to do legal design. You need a lot of empathy, active listening, yeah. capacity to observe. Yeah. Uh, you also need to be very systematic because yeah. if you like to be very effective in the way you do legal design, you want to be systematic as well. Yeah, very because systematic. I think that it's more about like a system design, right? Because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, I mean, like legal design uh, have different steps. But I like the, the way that Margaret actually explains this because uh, I think that the, I agree with her with this uh, idea that at the end of the day it's about a system because you can create the most understandable uh, contract, easier for everybody and also accessible for everyone. But if that contract is not admitted in a court of your sue with with visualizations, it's not admitted in a in a in a court too. I mean, it's pointless, right? Because sure. yeah, how 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 are you gonna be able to proceed with the with the with the well, workflow of the process, right? This is why legal design first objective in it, it needs to be uh, making 
uh, law are more accessible, and so yeah. for sure, yeah. Uh, I, 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 as for the metrics, I want to go back to the metrics a little bit because I think it's a really interesting question. I believe that they are a set of metrics we should use that are both quantitative and qualitative. So it's not just about measuring uh, how much time you are uh, saving with, for instance, the negotiation of the contract, the signature of the contract, and the execution of the contract. This is quantitative measures, and I think this is very important. When Julie is asking about how many people visit your website, this is yeah. more marketing. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's more branding. Marketing metrics. This is not legal design metrics. Yeah, no. For legal design, it would be how many people resolve the dispute online exactly. using the platform, how much time it takes to resolve the yeah. dispute. Uh, how much contracts were were created in the platform? Or how yeah. many contracts were created using the platform, like the Majoto platform from Dennis? How many exactly. contracts are created, and how long does it take to create those contracts? Exactly using the platform. Yeah. yeah exactly. And do people actually sign the contract? And this is also a great metrics. So there are quantitative metrics, but there are qualitative metrics as well. And we've been talking about this inside the academy. It's also about understanding, uh, and I think happiness is one of them actually. Are users happier with this platform or with this contract? Uh, so what is the uh, you know what is the degree of happiness before and after legal design? But it's not just about happiness; it's also about engagement. How do how much people engage with the new contract, yeah. the new platform versus before? Because when you think of a traditional contract, I mean, very likely you just get it done, you put it in a drawer and you don't really use it. Unless yeah. you have a problem, then you go and you don't really understand it. So you're asking your lawyer to help and then it maybe go to court. Not so effective. So it's also about the engagement. So yeah, engagement and usability. Yeah, engagement and usability. I mean, usability, how easy it is to use a platform, if it's a contract platform, if it's an automation platform, I mean, whichever platform you use that really helps you, how easy for you is to use it and actually the engagement, like you said, I mean, how much attraction do you feel to that platform? How much attraction do you feel to use that platform to create something, any product, any service? Yeah. Absolutely. So usability metrics, I think it's very important. And yeah. I know there exist as well uh, some, um, some uh, measurements that we can use and we started to, to uh, use them as well in legal, in legal design. But there's another question here from Mauro Martins. Uh, legal design can be applied in the lawmaking process. Well, this is really something uh, I think, Carol, you have mentioned about uh, our colleague, Kathleen Moon, who is a professor in Vanderbilt uh, yeah. University. She's really much interested and involved in uh, legal design for the lawmaking process. Do you know a little bit about her work, uh, Carol? Yeah, I mean, she uh, always teach about the Delta uh, the, the, the Delta mode that includes like the three P's. I think it's people, process, and purpose. Yeah, people, process, and purpose. Yeah. So this model, Delta model, I mean, I think it's incredible because actually these three components, uh, uh, these three <laughs> components uh, helps you to uh, 
focus your legal practice, right? As a lawyer, as a designer that works for the legal services, as a judge uh, to facilitate justice. I mean, you need to focus, uh, you need to figure out which are your three P's, purpose, uh, process, and people, yeah. So w once you figure out uh, which kind of process you do you want to use uh, or, or, or do you want to do or do you want to implement? Uh, for who are you going to work for or for who are you going to design or work for? Uh, and also, what what is your purpose? Because, I mean, without purpose, you don't do anything, right? So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If, you don't, if you don't have these three components, I mean, you are going to be... And talking about purpose... It's a great transition to uh, also me talking about the social commitment we have at Legal Creatives for access to justice. Because uh, at Legal Creatives, we are committed to also helping with the access to justice sustainable development goal. And yeah. the problem that we know is that in the world, there are five billions of people who don't have access to justice. That means people who have some legal issues or legal concerns. Sometimes people that are living in extreme injustice situations and don't know what to do. And so access to justice is one of the UN development goals. And at Legal Creatives, we are committed to bring access to justice to one billion people. That's what we call the one billion challenge. And that's why we are on a mission to empower you to create new solutions, whether they are dispute resolution platforms, contracts that are easier to understand, um, you know, automate, automated tools to uh, do legal work faster and in a more effective way so you can also contribute to the One Billion Challenge. Because I think technology and innovation is not a marriage, right? I mean, they are separate. Uh, they can they can be i think that that could it could exist uh technology itself but innovation gives technology more purpose right i mean for me it's in that sense right and actually you can innovate without using technology and i like the three p's of uh, purpose and people and process and i think we tend to uh not think so much about the purpose and for me, at least, in my entrepreneurial journey, understanding what is my purpose, uh, I think, was key in uh, me taking the right type of actions and making the right decisions to serve this purpose. I'm really about breaking down barriers for the one billion people. And this is really our social commitment towards giving access to justice to one billion people. And um, if you would like to be a part of this, it's really easy. You're already part of the family now that you are listening to this podcast, but you can be taking more actions just like other members at Legal Creatives. They've been prototyping solutions that will contribute to reducing this gap. And yeah. my challenge is going to be to measure the 1 billion challenge impact. I mean, how am I going to measure the progress? This is, I'm really open for ideas because it's, it's probably going to involve tracking the success of our members, which could be really interesting, but very difficult to do because also they have to track the success of their clients. And going back to the question of Julie, how do you measure the impact of legal design? 
sometimes it's not easy because as a lawyer, you're working for a client, but they have their own client. And if you would like to measure the success, you have to talk to the end user, to the client of your clients. And sometimes it's a difficult thing to do because your client doesn't want you to reach out to their clients. And yeah. so this is why measuring legal design is very complicated, but it's not impossible. We need to find ways to measure. This is very important. And so the one billion challenge is really our social commitment towards change, towards access to justice. And so what we hope is that you're going to start making bold proposals so you can deliver justice outcomes to one billion people. And so I'm talking now to those of you who are really interested more in uh, in uh, a social impact. Um, this is not for everyone. I understand some people may just want to do legal design for increasing efficiencies, and I think this is great. And I also think ultimately this is going to help for access to justice and access to legal services. But if you're really interested in making those bold proposals, then, then engage with us because you can exponentiate your impact and you can start creating solutions that you can take action to deliver outcomes to the one billion people. And so we will have could, be, could be something very easy, right? I mean, could be any kind of any kind of solution because for example, it could be like a, just a create a big show platform could be an example. Another example could be, I don't know, uh, to make a summarize of all the new laws or or resolutions in your country about COVID during COVID crisis, right? So yeah. I think that could be anything, and it shouldn't have to apply blockchain. I mean, it could be something as simple as a website using WordPress, and that's it. Yeah, there can be some. There can be some very simple solutions, especially those of you who are listening, who are entrepreneurial. Uh, they can be great solutions, like Carol said, like WordPress websites and uh, blogging. I mean, blogging can, if you do blogging well, you can have a huge impact. In fact, this is how I started with Legal Creatives, with blogging. I started blogging a long time ago. At the time I was blogging about other topics. I was not blogging about legal design. I didn't even know it existed. I was blogging back in 2012. I was blogging about poetry. And I realized there were so many people from everywhere around the world who, followed my blog, who subscribed to receive notifications. And I was just so amazed because my intention was not to create a community. I was just willing to share about poetry. And then I realized, oh my God, there is a huge potential for uh, having an impact through blogging. And so if you do blogging well, just think about this uh, really creative person. Is it like Brain Picker? That she, it's a name? She is just blogging, brain pickings. Brain pickings, it's just amazing what she has created. It's a, it's a website, her name is Maria Popova. She created the Brain Picker uh, website. It's called brainpickings.org. It's just a blog, but she is sharing a lot of really insightful pieces of information. And now I believe it has become a business for her and she's uh, having social impact through blogging. So sometimes blogging can be the solution, but sometimes it can be technology. There's a lot of other questions here about can legal design be complement to structural deficiencies in law school? 
Well, I think education needs a renewal. What do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, education needs a completely redesign. Yeah. And that, exactly. Why do you think it has to be redesigned? I mean, at least in my country, sorry, but it's true. In my country, it's very difficult because uh, we have the same curriculum for about 20 years, right? So, yeah, I don't know uh, why is this happening, but we need to redesign the curriculum in order to have uh, these uh, multidisciplinary uh, programs that you can be able to change from low school and also take taking some other programming lessons, or if you are interested in behavioral science, you can apply to have some some free courses with the psychology, psychology school, or I don't know if you are interested in mathematics, you can take some mathematics with the engineers. So and that should be allowed. For example, in my country, you need to go to a very tough process if you want to change or take some other courses in other careers. So I think why? Yes, I think the future of education is going to have to be more multidisciplinary, but not necessarily you working with other people, you learning different topics. So you are aware of different perspectives. I think it's going to help a lot for you to open yourself to new perspectives. And, and yeah, you a holistic perspective. Yeah. A more holistic perspective. Yes, absolutely, Carol. And in this moment, the law schools are not helping at all with that because the curriculum is extremely rigid. To change the curriculum is, is taking a lot of time because of the decision-making process is, is very structured with, for a good reason. But now, because the speed of life and the speed of technology, the speed of innovation is so fast, it's very difficult to keep up. And so for that reason, we have decided to create this platform that you now know that is called Legal Creatives. And I would like just to share a little bit with you what we have created to help you design your own curriculum with us inside the Legal Design Academy by Legal Creatives where we're going to really empower you with the 21st century skills for the law so you can learn in a very insightful way, but also in a very practical way. The idea is for you to pick and choose uh, the courses you would like to take, and all of the courses are available on demand, so you don't have to wait for a workshop to be scheduled you can just learn whenever you need, you access the platform and you can immediately start learning. And when I mean learning, I also mean you can start applying immediately because each of those modules are designed in this spirit of combining design thinking and law together to create a new methodology to do litigation by design. And for that reason, we have created uh, a very specific methodology for you to apply legal design in every subject matter of interest. We're not going to teach you how to do design thinking and then you have to figure out how it's relevant for you. We are actually going to process the content and we, based on our research and our understanding, 
We're going to make this content available for you to do litigation by design immediately after you finish the course. So you don't have to think about how it's going to be applicable. It's already practical. And IP by design is going to be a very big topic because I believe IP has a huge potential for creativity. Uh, I don't know what you think, Carol. I did it. This is new for me because I have seen the academy, but this new look and feel and these new other services and products I didn't know. So yeah, congratulations. You're doing such a great job. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's about making the content actionable, making your learning experience insightful and also making your education affordable. And this is how you can kickstart your project. So inside the community, inside the academy, you get access to this knowledge. So you reinforce your legal design capacities. And because you are part of a community, then you are able to kickstart your own project and to find help, to find support, and to get feedback. And this is how Julian and Arno have created the ODR platform they have presented today by meeting each other inside the academy and deciding to start a prototype. And now they have something that they can show, which is amazing. It's not just, hey, I'd like to build an ODR platform. It's like, hey, I really like to build it and I can show you my prototype. It even works. You can test it and give me feedback. And this took how much time? How much time do you think it took? I don't know. You tell me how much time it took. <laughs> well, it took less than a month. It took less than Amazing. a month. It was, on a it was on a sprint, yeah, like, like a sprint, like a longer sprint. Yeah, because we actually have sprint session inside the portal for people uh -huh. to sprint. This is part of the mentoring and this is part of implementation. And Julian is the expert when it comes to dispute resolution. And Arno uh -huh. is the expert because he's an engineer, so he's the expert in legal technology. Yeah. And so by them coming together, they've been able to kickstart their own ODR platform projects. And then you get reviews from your peers. And I think this is really important. Feedback. Yeah, feedback is amazing. I think that feedback is powerful to empower your processes, your services. I mean, you and me make feedback like almost every day. Yeah, yeah. we do. We do ask each other lots of feedback. And you don't yeah. need to wait to be stuck to ask for feedback. You can ask for feedback just anytime. Hey, I've got this idea. What do you think yeah. about it? And then so the, the person is going to say, wow, this leads me to another idea. And so feedback is and peer review is really important. But also we want to empower you with legal design superpowers because they are superpowers for legal design. What is your legal superpower? Well, people say that my superpower is my capacity to, to lesson, to lesson like apparently I'm a really good listener. And I, I, so I guess this is what people say. I, I think my superpower is imagination and creativity. But apparently people find me even more better listener, which I'm very surprised because I don't think of myself as a good listener. But <laughs> what about you, Carol? I think that in the case of this is this is sad because a lot of people believes that no i can enjoy legal creatives because i don't feel myself creativity right i'm not creative so i can enjoy legal creatives because i don't have creativity or enough creativity and that's very sad because everyone has creativity but it's in a different ways right 
I think the superpower is friendliness and friendliness brings collaboration. It brings, it brings happiness. And that is also very important for legal design. And then we want to also empower you with creativity. So this is why we have structured creativity for legal design. I love that Rubik. Ah, this Rubik Yeah. Yes. I used to play a lot with this. And so the intention for this uh, on-demand course is to help you with your legal design creativity. So you can start to understand first, what is creativity? And second, you can start to channel your creativity for legal design. And I think this is gonna help you a lot with your ability to come up with new solutions. I believe this is how Alejandro got the idea of El Recamador, thinking what's the problem, who's my user, and then how can I provide a creative solution? Also, visual contracts is a really big one. And Larissa, today, she's been sharing her visual contract in the virtual art gallery. And uh, we actually started to create some templates for our members to just speed up their legal design process because not everybody is a good designer and not everybody has time or resource to hire a designer. So we started to create templates. And uh, visual contracts is, is gonna be huge. Especially with COVID-19, we see nobody has time to read long contracts. So we have to just make safety measures with cartoons, with graphics, with visuals. It's just so much more effective. I think that it's even more powerful because, you know, we are now in a digital era. So that's why we need to adjust and adapt ourselves and our legal practices Absolutely. to this new era. Absolutely. Yeah. And the creating a user experience, can we systematize the user experience using legal design? I think so. I think we can do that. I think Arnaud is doing a great job with this. Arnaud from Gotten Design in France is doing a really good job at creating very simple, easy to use interfaces. And so we need to yeah. have those interfaces for the law as well. Yeah, and also added the, I don't know, the accessibility uh, uh, implementations, the UX writing part to make everything easier for users. That's that's all everything about, yeah. And so you can become a legal design ninja as well. And you can create a user experience. We already have created this matrix, the legal UX matrix. Uh, Marina today, she has shared how she used the matrix to create her her prototypes, which is not even a prototype, they're actually using it in the, in the law firm with the app for the elderly people. And also we're gonna give you expert reviews. So I'm gonna be the main expert reviewer, but there's probably gonna be other- What an honor, what an honor that Tessa Manuelo review, give me reviews. What an honor, what an honor for all the students. I've been giving some personalized review in video. So you, yeah, so you can get your expert review from me, but also other experts, because I don't pretend to know everything. There are people like Arnaud, for instance, who know much better how to engineer technology for law. It's been a great event, this virtual open house. Um, I really hope that you are seeing all of the potential that you have as a legal professional to innovate, to use legal design, to be more creative in the way you work, in the way you deliver your services, and to really gain confidence that this is not impossible, but you can do it. In fact, the people, people who presented today are Academy members. They actually started the journey with me, I believe, in, 
in March. Most of them, they started, most of them, they started either in March or we had another round of people entering the academy. I believe it was in July, June and July. During lockdown, during the lockdown. During the yeah. lockdown. All of them, they join in either in March or in June, July. And so that means they have been learning for about three months or six months, depending. And so they have been able to create this in just three months. So this is really something that is not out of reach. And as uh, Dennis said from Majoto, if you would like to create a more sophisticated tool with a low budget, you can do that too. There are a lot of ways that you can do that. But you have to find the right people. And I believe inside the community, we have amazing people you can work with, collaborate, eventually even do business together. Yeah, and also the purpose, right? Because now, first you know your why, then you know your how, and then you can find your colleagues and fellows to do this magic happens. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's been a pleasure to be doing this podcast interview with you. <laughs> for uh, me too. So those are the last words. I want to say again, thank you, Carol, for being with me. Thank you to all and every one of you. I really do believe there is a before and after October 17. We've been bringing people from everywhere around the world. We've been giving a space for people to share their insights, their uh, projects in their own language. It's really about breaking barriers through legal design. And so again, I want to say thank you to all of my guests, uh, Sabrina Grolich uh, from the Design Sprint Studio. I want to say thank you also to all of the virtual art gallery presenters. It's been phenomenal to see you in action. And I want to say thank you to the guests for the panel discussion, Alejandro, Dora, Moro, um, and Carol for the podcast interview. Uh, there's going to be more events. We are very likely going to have another event for more advanced, uh, advanced solutions with the, the people that have been learning with me this year in, in the facilitators cohorts. And so we really want to also showcase who they are, the work that they do, because they do incredible work. And so we're very likely going to have another event with those more advanced experts. And Denise was one of them. You have seen the Majodo platform today. And also the uh, academy is coming up. So you're going to be able to register in your own language. And you're going to be able to start learning for a very affordable price. Because as you have seen, we are breaking barriers to make learning affordable for you and to make sure you are on track to success. So stay tuned for those emails that are coming up in your mailbox. Let's stay creative for the rest of the weekend. Let's also enjoy ourselves. Make sure to tell your friends and your colleagues if you appreciated the virtual open house so they can watch the replay. And uh, thank you again for everyone who's been joining on this live streaming for six hours and a half. It's probably the longest I have done, uh, but I'm not even sure because when we started back in 2018, 2017, we did quite a lot of live streaming and we love to do them. So if you like them, we may do more. Let us know, stay creative, stay healthy, and we'll see you inside the community.